Warning, this episode contains foul language, potentially disgusting and horrifying imagery, and a small drink pressure. You are listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, off-putting, scaly, hairy, bloody, drippy, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with a special guest or just the two of us and we talk about something weird. And this week it's just your two favorite hosts putting together a special Helter Skelter episode. If you're a fan of the show, you know that these episodes are our blended, multi-category chats where we piece together subjects we just couldn't fit into other episodes but absolutely had to tell you about. Some stories just need to be told and we want to bring you all of the weirdness even when it seems out of place. No theme, no rules, no problem. So let's get weird. My name is Lauren and this is my lovely co-host Ashley. Hi weirdos. Hello. Hail to Um Beautiful song. It's kind of a Helter Skelter episode. It's like... Yeah, it's different than our other ones. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of like Lauren wanted to do a topic, I wanted to do a different topic, so we're doing two different topics in one episode. Exactly. Yes, it's more like just a, a splitsies, a down Splits, the middle a instead of like multiple crazy <laughs> stories, but yes, exactly. we, we both have some good some good weird stuff today. For sure. Lauren and I were trying to think of a nice, easy, one-part episode we could release for y'all this week because Joe's mom is coming to stay with us next week. Or actually, this week. She's coming on Wednesday, so two days ago for y'all listening. Uh, She should be here. So I won't be able to edit one for next week. So yes, we will be absent next week, but we're going to be back promptly the week after with hopefully a very special guest if I can make the dates work out. Yes, and finally recording in person, we're hoping, yes. for the first time <gasps> in, Lord, first who knows all, how long, a year and a half? We'll record Goodness. in person regardless, um, because we <sighs> yes. want to get some YouTube stuff going for you as well. Our YouTube's been so sad and lonely, and there's I cobwebs know. all over it, and there's a weird draft. We need to bring it back to life. <laughs> we need to revive it. <laughs> um, A few things to get out of the way before we get started. One, do you mind if I promote myself real quick? Oh my gosh, you need to because you have something very important coming up. If you follow us on social media, you probably know this already, but Joe and I are starting a new podcast. (laughs) Nothing's happening with Keep It Weird. I had a couple people being like, is Keep It Weird ending? And I was like, what? No, No, I'm just an insane person who's going to be doing two podcasts um, (laughs) if I had time. But it's going to be available in all the same places you listen to Keep It Weird. We're going to be releasing new episodes every Monday. I thought that would be nice. So you could, you know, have us on Monday to start your week and keep it weird to start your weekend. Bookending the week. It's perfect. Exactly. It's called Ask Me Everything. It's a totally conversational show where Joe and I ask random questions and give spontaneous answers. And it's honestly, it's a lot of fun. It's not educational. 
in any way. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for funsies. It's Ugh. just us hanging out. So if you like me and you like Handsome Joe, you're really going to enjoy it. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Ask Me Everything Podcast. And also do me a huge favor on August 2nd. That's when it's being released. Go listen to the show because we're going to be releasing the first five episodes that day. Oh, my goodness. What a treat. And the more downloads we can get that day, the more successful, you know, startup our show can have. So mark your calendars and I'll be sure to remind everyone on social media the week before as well to go and check it out. I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. And I mean, all of our listeners are obsessed with Handsome Joe. So I have a feeling you guys are going to get a lot of listens on day one. We're totally going to have guests for this show, too, and Lauren will be one of them probably yes. more than once, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait, because I already enjoyed answering the question that you guys put out on Instagram, <laughs> even though it was hilarious. Once I commented and you said, it looks like there's a trend here, I went back and looked at all the comments, and truly everyone was like, I'm tired all the time. <laughs> I'm tired all the time and my body hurts. And I was like, yep. I think that's just 30. I think yeah. that's just, you hit 30 and it's just, it's downhill from here, folks. Downhill like, from here. Aches and it's pains over. and sleepiness. Yep. That's yeah. our life now. <laughs> Um, I also wanted to give a quick shout out to some new patrons before we get started. Hello and welcome to the exclusive Weirdo Club, Nicole Johnson. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Nicole. Love Thanks that easy us. name. Yes. My middle name is Nicole. I don't know if anyone knows that or cares. <laughs> uh, I do but. know that that's what it is because you've mentioned it maybe <laughs> once or twice, but you don't talk about it a lot. I will mm -mm. say that. <laughs> I have a very boring name. And not to say that, Nicole, your name is boring. I'm just saying like Ashley Nicole is like, could I yeah. be more white? I, I mean, I'm Lauren Jane, so I'm the same oh, way. Yeah, I feel like we've... We've joked about that before, that we have some of the most basic names, like yeah. <laughs> listing our names on Seriously. anything. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, jeez. And Joe is Joseph Michael. It's like, oh, yeah. oh, two of the whitest white, but and he's not even like, I mean, uh, he is white, but he's Jewish. I know what you mean. He should have a more <laughs> exciting name. I'm a quarter Italian. My great grandma's name was Vera Ferrari. Like some okay. spice would have been nice. You know what Vera I mean? Some red, red pepper flakes would have been nice for my name. Ma. That is the most badass name, I will say. Yeah, and Alex is, that is a very basic, boring name, but his middle name is Randlev. And I'm like, at least that part's fun. Alexander Randlev. Which is Randlev. like not a name. It's not a real name, but it's a family <laughs> name. <laughs> I don't know why or who came up with it, but it's there. Every time I read his Instagram handle, though, I read it as Randall V. Yep. So does everyone. They ask, it's like, why? It's just easier for me. Why is he Randall V? I'm like, I, it's a whole, it's, it's a thing. That's <laughs> So, hi, Nicole. Uh, hi, Nicole. And awesome. <laughs> hello and thank you as well to Mysterious Elizabeth, which is what I'm calling you because there's no last name and you're like a secret agent. Ooh, it's just Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Codename Elizabeth. Hello. Well, hello. Hello and welcome back, question mark, George Caldwell. I swear you've popped in and out of the Patreon before. Um, <laughs> and if I'm wrong, I'm the worst. I'm so sorry. Sorry about it. <laughs> but hi, George. Welcome. And or welcome back. Sorry, my memory is disgusting. And finally, hello and welcome again, Julia Furman. Woo! Uh, welcome back, sis. <laughs> Lauren Sissy. And if anyone is a patron and you haven't listened to Lauren and Julia's June bonus episode, you are missing out because it's literally 
so good. Lauren got to sit down with Julia and ask her, uh, you know, about her many experiences as a hospice nurse. And it was both fascinating and moving. And I really enjoyed editing it. So. Oh, good. We yeah, we enjoyed chatting and definitely got choked up a couple of times because her job, I mean, clearly as a hospice nurse, there's a lot of emotions, but she just has such a beautiful perspective on it, too. That was, I think, helpful for a lot of people to hear, especially for people who have lost loved ones. So go check it out. Yeah, definitely do that. Um, Hold on one second. (sighs) What just happened? I couldn't tell if your back was cracking or... Yeah, I just cracked my my back. No, I opened a LaCroix, but it was (laughs) kind of difficult, actually. Usually I can recognize the can sound. I thought your body was breaking into a million pieces. Okay. (laughs) Hold on one second. I'm going to bend in half and break my bones. (laughs) Crack. So yeah, uh, why don't you go first? All right, I'm going to kick us off with this Helter Skelter slash Split slash, you know, whatever you want it to be, listeners. I am talking about weirdest things found in storage units, (laughs) which I almost brought up on another episode, but as it goes, it didn't really quite fit and I wanted to wait on it, hence this episode. So it's, it's a special topic. I wasn't sure what I would find, but boy, are there some special items hanging out in storage units. Um, if anyone has watched the show Storage Wars, or if you've had a storage unit before, you probably know that um, well, you pay rent on a storage unit if you have one. And if you're late on payments by a certain amount of days, I think it depends on where you're renting. Everyone has different policies. It's 30, sometimes it's 60, sometimes it's 90. If you fail to pay, the storage unit can take full ownership of all of your things and auction it off for some random stranger to just walk up and buy. Which is like crazy, but also, I mean, you got to pay your rent. So, yeah, people have to have like discovered serial killers this way, right? I would think so, because you find the creepiest things in there. You there definitely has been evidence in storage units, never like an active like, oh, there was a bloody tarp in the storage unit. or At least I wasn't able to uncover that. But yes, this is how a lot of crimes get solved is by storage units for sure and there was one story that i'm not talking about because it was like pretty short but a burglar got locked into a storage unit the door shut behind him so he was discovered mid burglary because he was locked in there for like a day and a half which is just really funny to me i saw a tiktok recently um there's uh, some tiktok account that releases like 911 calls yeah. And it was a 911 call and it was a, it was a guy that was like, "Hey, um there's a there's I'm I'm stuck in this store or something." And they were like, "What?" And he was like, "Yeah, I came in and I there's there's a there's a guy robbing the store." And they're like, "What store?" And he tells them the address. And they're like, "Okay, what's going on? Like, can you see the guy?" And he's like, "I am the guy." And it was like <laughs> a guy who like broke into this store and then couldn't get out and the alarm was going off and he was like, oh, "I no. my only option is to call the police on myself." That is so funny. I'm obsessed with that. Like, yeah, it's me. It's me. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing it. Up. This is my only option. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude. Okay, so my first story is is a doozy. Okay. A North Carolina man was storing his amputated leg in a barbecue no. smoker in his storage facility. So that's going to be my opening line, but here's the whole story. (laughs) A North Carolina man named John Wood lost his leg after a plane crash in 2004, which is actually very sad. And he decided to keep the leg so that he could be buried as a whole man when he died. And he wanted to have his leg with him, which I'm like, 
It's still a little gross that you're keeping your leg, but I there, there's sweetness to that. Sure, I yeah. So he had been keeping the leg in the unit after he lost his home, but he couldn't afford the storage unit anymore because he was getting into drugs. He had a lot of addiction problems with both alcohol and different substances. So he, yeah, he lost his home. He lost his storage unit. He was homeless for a long time. Just a guy down on his luck. So, unfortunately, that storage unit went up for auction and a leg was part of that purchase. But the man who bought it, Shannon Wisnant, who bought the whole... Actually, he did not buy the whole unit. He just got the smoker in the end. I did forget about that detail. In 2007, he opened the smoker, found Wood's leg wrapped up inside. I would (laughs) shit my pants. Pooped himself. No, I'm just kidding. He probably did, though. (laughs) But no, was shocked, didn't know what to do, so gave the leg to the police, and then they sent the appendage to a funeral home, and they were able to make the connection for John Wood to pick it up, which all sounds like it could be wrapped up in a bow right there. But the story got stranger when Shannon Wisnant wanted to get the leg back, because he decided he wanted to charge people money to look inside his smoker at the leg wrapped up. He got a taste of fame because the news was covering this story just because it's fascinating that a leg was found in the smoker. And once he saw that people were like coming up to him and recognizing him and all these news outlets were reaching out, he realized he could make a profit and decided to make this a thing. So he chose the route of being an asshole. Um, Wisnant was denied full custody of the leg by the funeral home because they said, we're going to give it full back custody. to the man to who it belongs. But then Wisnant des- decided to contact John Wood and say, what if we share custody of the leg and split the profits and you can still be buried with it at the end of your life? Thinking, you know, let's just become business partners. But the owner was not interested because, uh, duh, that's yeah. absurd. He did not want to share his amputated leg for money. But Wisnant truly felt some sort of ownership to this leg because he won it fair oh and square God. in this auction. And the smoker was his, which is what the leg was inside. So they decided to take it to court. And like any normal person, they took it to TV court with Judge Mathis. Yeah, of course. Why not? It's just everything. Because again, this guy's a fame horror. This is what he wanted. Listen, you're lucky you didn't get TV court with fucking Judge Judy because she would have ripped you a damn new one. I'm telling you, Judy would have ripped this guy apart. She wouldn't have had any patience for you, sir. No, no, no. The television judge, Judge Mathis, did rule in favor of John Wood, the owner of the leg, which no one was really surprised about because, yes, it is morally correct that he could have the leg. But there actually was quite an argument for Shannon Wisnant's side because legally he did have ownership to it because it was in the smoker, which is nuts. But that's like just how it works. But Judge Mathis decided to go with his heart and he wanted the man who whose leg it was to have it. So there you go. I think this story just had a lot of heart. So, you know, they had to do it. So John got his leg and Wisnant uh, did get $5,000 from John Wood as like just some sort of payment. Like, hey, yes, you did buy the smoker fair and square. So we will give you $5,000, but John gets his leg. So at least nobody walked away with nothing, but Shannon was not happy. And uh, Shannon, unfortunately, also died from a heart attack in 2016 after he went through a lot of substance abuse as well and also was caught twice in mid-robbery and had to go to jail a few times. So his okay. the rest of his Who life was actually pretty upsetting. These people? 
Well, that's kind of how I'm going to wrap up the story because I didn't want to tell the whole thing because it would have taken up this whole episode. But the story is even more fascinating than what I just scratched the surface with. These two have pretty crazy lives and some deep family trauma that they both had to deal with and just like really went through it. So if you guys want to see the whole story, it actually is a documentary called Finders Keepers. And it's not free anywhere, sadly, but it's $4 on basically every platform that's out there for streaming. So I would say if you have some time and are bored in the next few days to check it out because these guys are crazy. It's a great life. A great life story. That is so wild. (laughs) It is. And all from a storage unit. It just, it's, it's a whole thing. So it's fascinating to me. But... Moving on to more body parts. More body parts? Okay. This time it's a full body, a full corpse, everybody. Not a living person, a corpse. The skeletal remains of a 95-year-old woman were discovered in a storage unit in Clearwater, Florida in 2012. Her name was Ann Bunch, and she died in a nursing home after three heart attacks and a paralyzing stroke. Very sad. Man. And her... Her family originally planned on burying her in Alabama, where a lot of them are from, but instead, Ann Bunch's granddaughter, named Bobby Barnett Hancock, placed the coffin in a storage unit after she claimed that rainstorms and car trouble prevented her from burying Bunch, and she would just do it the next week when the weather had calmed down, but instead she left her grandmother and never did a damn thing. The casket sat in the unit for 17 years. Until Hancock's daughter, uh, Rebecca Ann Fincher, finally learned about the remains as her mother lay on her deathbed. She had stage four cancer, and when she was about to pass, she confessed to her daughter that her grandmother has been in a storage unit, and she never had the courage to bury her or tell anybody. So once her daughter found out, they were able to get into the storage unit, get the coffin, and finally give her the proper burial 17 years later. which is just crazy here's the thing though i i put things off too yes we all do (laughs) i'm a procrastinator like i get it i just feel like there are certain things you procrastinate on and then there are certain things you do not i would say burying your grandmother should have been a bit more of a priority (laughs) (laughs) lady bobby barnett hancock i yeah i was so I did not think that was how the story was going to go. I just saw the headline, like, 95-year-old corpse left in a storage unit. I thought there was going to be, like, honestly more of a sinister background to it. Or I don't know what I thought. But just to hear that this lady was like, I got busy. I got busy. I was really busy for fucking 17 years. And I never had time to bury my mom. Grandma. I just, yeah, couldn't get around to it. I was doing a lot of other things. You know, I have a job. I had to get the kids off to school. It's just, it's baffling to me. And I'm, I'm very sad that, you know, Bobby had, she didn't have a great end of her life either with mm-hmm. stage four cancer. Yes, I can have, I can feel bad for this woman. I can have some compassion, but man, to just leave granny hanging like that in her coffin is not very kind. At least she confessed to on her deathbed instead of just like, you know, not confessing out of shame or embarrassment or something. And then someone else had to find that body. That would have been a real shocker. Because I'm sure, I mean, maybe the family would have gotten it after her passing anyway. And they'd say, hey, you have the storage unit. Or I don't know, maybe if rent payments were behind, it would have been 
auctioned off, as we said, but either way, to get that surprise discovery, yes, I agree with you, would be so, so much worse. So I am glad that she, yeah, she owned up to it at the end of her life. But I, I just would think that each year it would eat away at you a little. Like, I really need to do something about this. Yeah, I don't know how really she survived. really need to take care of that body. Oh. I really need to take care of Nana. Yes. Um, yeah. So those are my first two. If I want to... Boy. Do you want to throw it over to you for some misconceptions? Sure, yeah. yeah, this week I wanted to cover a few common misconceptions and straight up false beliefs in the, I don't know, true crime paranormal weirdo community. And this is mostly observations over my years being surrounded by other podcasts in the same genre, but also like general misconceptions as well. For example, true, true crime fans know that Ted Bundy wasn't particularly intelligent. Yes. And we hear people all the time talking about how his IQ was so high and he was was smart and handsome and he wooed. No, even though he was always regarded as, uh, you know, this wicked, smart, handsome guy. Mm, Not so much, actually. He didn't. (laughs) Not wicked smart. He didn't woo women with his looks. He played off of their empathy and good nature by pretending he was injured. Um, He wasn't a brilliant lawyer. He actually got pretty subpar grades in law school and probably could have walked free in the case that ended up executing him in Florida if he had listened to his lawyers and let them handle it. Like, he was a lucky son of a bitch, but he wasn't an exceptional man by any means. Totally fair. Yeah, but like I said, we all know that. So let's get into some misconceptions you might not know. This one's huge. Karma. Ah, I have never seen anyone describe karma correctly or use it correctly in a situation. Ever. Not Mm -hmm. once. And um, I've studied Buddhism for about six or seven years now. There's a few books, actually, I would love to recommend to anybody if you're interested. It's a very beautiful practice. And you notice how I did not say religion. Mm-hmm. That's because Buddhism, is good. yeah, is much more a practice or a state of being than a religion or a ritual. It's something that you can apply to your life on top of a religion you believe in, right? Or even as a person who is not religious at all and even like anti-religious, because you're not praising anything right. or or worshiping anything. Yeah. It's more of a way of changing your thought process to help you live a happier, less stressful, fulfilling life. And I highly recommend it. I would like to read more books on it because Tina Turner, who is like one of my all-time favorite people on this planet, uh, has practiced Buddhism for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I have always been fascinated by it because of her and all the things she's overcome in her life from the practice. And so I, yeah, I've started to have a fascination for it and also feel like I have been lost for the past few years spiritually. So that is a good call. I should read up. You absolutely should. I can just like give you some books. I think I have some here. But the one thing that I see that has leaked into the mainstream from Buddhism is karma. And I see people use it all the time. And I'm actually going to put you on blast here, Lauren, just because I had an example pop into my head when I was writing my notes. So I'm not naming any names because <laughs> it's just not worth it. But there is a uh, fairly famous podcast who followed us before they blew up. They started their show uh, a year and a half after ours. They took our tagline. They took some mm-hmm. of our picadillos. They even took one of our uh, designs and put it on a shirt. 
And it's ridiculous. They are huge, and we are still very much so indie Small. level. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who knows who we are talking about or have sent us screenshots and messages to inform us of the show, thank you so much. We can't tell you how much we appreciate you having our backs, but we already have brought it to their attention, and they basically do not care. And that's that. Yeah. So, not at all. We're not going to take him to court. We're not going to make a big deal out of it because honestly, like they, aside from the fact that it's just, like I said, not worth it. They have hundreds of thousands of loyal followers that could literally destroy right. our show. It's just not sure. worth it. And Lauren, yeah. do you remember what you said about them regarding karma? I don't. So please inform me. Well, I mean, essentially you said what goes around comes around, you know, oh, yeah. that like, you know, they they did this really shitty thing. And yeah. so they'll have shitty things come their way they'll get what's coming to them Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how everyone uses karma as kind of a well this person did something bad something bad's coming their way because that's how it works and if i do good Mm -hmm. things good things should come my way because of karma but that's actually not karma and i don't know when it got warped into what you give out is what you get back but that's the only way I've ever seen it used um, or yeah. I've seen it used like the more good karma you acquire in life, the better your next life will be, which I yes, think is I actually Hindi, but I'm not sure. Ah, okay. Anyway, it's actually much, much more beautiful. So karma is a Sanskrit word meaning action, and it refers to a cycle of cause and effect. So to put it simply, karma refers to actions and the consequences of those actions. So the way most people view karma is almost like it's out of our control. Like we do a good deed and then some good random thing will happen to us, but it's really all about our control. It's all about us controlling karma. Because we are creating karma every single minute with every single action we take. Oh. So I'm going to take my favorite example that I got from a really great book. It's called No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners by Noah Rashida. I'm pretty sure it's free to download on Kindle. If anyone has a Kindle, I'm pretty sure it's just free. You can download it right now. Love that. So karma is based on our reality and the nature of our reality, as we all know, because we listen to Keep It Weird, is that (laughs) all things are connected. Everything is connected. Sure. So let's say someone gets into an argument with their coworker. She drives home later. She's still upset and she aggressively tailgates another car. The person being tailgated is now also upset. And when he comes home, he finds that his kids have spilled something on the carpet. So he yells at them. So you can see how one small act affects another act, which affects another act. Right. At any moment in our lives, we are all acting upon the karma that has been set in motion by others. So the central teaching of karma in Buddhism is that we can pause and break that cycle of reactivity. Okay. And in that mindful moment, we have the ability and the freedom to choose a better reaction to contribute to the never-ending, you know, fucking web of causes and effects that are all around us all the time. Yeah. So if the if these people were Buddhists, you know, the woman could have chosen to drop the argument at work and drive home safely, therefore not aggravating the man who got tailgated. And mm. the man could have gone home and chosen not to yell at his kids for spilling on the carpet and therefore not negatively affecting them. So it's all about taking something that has happened to you that affected you negatively and stopping the spread of negativity in its tracks. Ah, I like it. 
Essentially, though, yes, this could mean good things come back to you because if everyone in the world applied this, the world would be a better place. Right. If we could all work together and do that. And just it's literally about, like you said before, changing your mindset Mm -hmm. and just saying, okay, this made me this made me feel anger. This made me feel bad. But I was able to switch my mindset and pay it forward to someone else in a more positive, loving way. Mm -hmm. And if we all just could do that within ourselves. Yeah, it would be, you know, the the world would be a more patient place. It would be a more understanding place. And therefore, your life would have less negativity. And also right. just by being mindful of this never ending like web of actions and reactions, you spend way less of your time angry, aggravated, impatient, moody, which does make your life better. Like think about a time that you've been upset by something and then you've been like mm. short or rude with Alex and then Alex is My upset, God, yeah. you know, and then you're upset with Alex because he's not being understanding about the fact that you're upset and then you both have to spend mm-hmm. an hour or several hours not talking or in a tense environment. When all you have to do is say immediately, I'm sorry, babe, I was upset. I didn't mean to take it out on you. Here, have a kiss. Boom, it's over. So the hour or hours of discomfort don't have to happen. And you have a better day. He has a better day. You avoid potentially spreading that negativity further to other people. And more people have better days. And that is karma. So great. So it's all about just choosing not to continue spreading a bad vibe i love it you were right it is a much more beautiful meaning than what goes around comes around yeah because i think it puts it on you it puts the responsibility on you to change yourself as opposed to just you know doing good deeds thinking so i'll get something good back and it's like no you're doing it's doing something good for other people and yes that should eventually make its way back to you because you're surrounding yourself you know you're spreading that good stuff and and hopefully it helps your environment and the people around you have more good stuff too so like i kind of get how it got warped into what goes around comes around but it makes sense it's not like it's a completely out of left field description but i think the true meaning is so much more beautiful and it puts the responsibility on us instead of the universe. Like yeah. we we do the work to have our good karma and not just say, well, I hope a gift is dropped in my lap <laughs> one day because I'm, I'm pretty nice. Well, like- I think that's what's beautiful about Buddhism too is because it is all about you. Like the universe, quote unquote universe, is inside of you. Like heaven and right. hell is inside of you. Everything is you and it's you yeah. focused. So in order to like have good things, you have to, it's it's up to you. It's not up to putting things out in the universe. It's like, sure yeah. you can, but you've got to put it on you. Yeah. Take a little responsibility. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I it really it. changes your mindset too when you're thinking, you know, I used to get road rage pretty bad. You know, Mm -hmm. and someone would cut me off and I would immediately be like, this fucking asshole doesn't know how to fucking drive. (laughs) We've all been there. Or like someone cuts in front of you at the grocery store, like hits you with their cart and doesn't apologize. And you're like, this fucking bitch. Like you're immediately like, what a jerk. But really, if you like take a step back and be like, their best friend could have just died. Sure. We have no idea. You don't know what people are going through. You never know what someone's going through. Yeah. 
I always think that with celebrities, when people say they're having, like they had a bad experience with a celebrity, I'm always like, and I think we talked about this a little on a bonus episode with Amy when she was reading celebrity stories. In some cases, you find out that certain people are kind of just assholes and like multiple people can confirm it. But there's also some of those one-off stories where it's like, oh, this other person said they were nice. Yeah, I actually heard they were nice too. But there's one story where they were rude and didn't take a photo with someone. It's like, what if they just had the worst day of their entire life, lost a family member, going through a divorce? Yeah, it's like, let people have bad days and let's try to have a little grace and empathy for people. Exactly. Yeah, it is a practice. Like That's why I think the term as you said, practice is so good because I think it takes the work to change your mindset. It's hard not to get aggravated. It's hard not to be sad, but you can you can flip it if you put in the work. Yeah. I'm right. saying that out loud for myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, this is Ben. And I'm Karen. All you do is read about crime. If you have serial killer posters in your bedroom... If you're hiding newspaper article clippings under your bed, looking at you, Karen. Don't be concerned. We share your compulsion. Join us, Ben and Karen, husband and wife team, as we delve deeper into the mind of serial killers. Dive into the darker side of humanity, but from the safety of your own couch. You can find our website, crimeandcompulsion.com. Find us on Facebook, Crime and Compulsion. Find us on Instagram, Crime and Compulsion Podcast. Find us on Twitter, at Crime Compulsion. Find our episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast streaming from. Do we have any more body parts? We do, unfortunately, <laughs> but I promise I promise my last one won't be. Okay, great. <laughs> I, I intentionally ended on a, a much lighter one. Okay. <laughs> but I... I couldn't pass up the body parts because, of course, that's the most interesting part of it all. Okay, this one is bizarre. I mean, they're all bizarre. So September 8th, 2012, we're back in Florida. I don't know if anyone's surprised. Sorry to the Florida men. (laughs) Noticing a pattern. Yep. Okay, so September 8th, 2012, a former Florida assistant medical examiner was facing up to five years in prison when he was found to be storing more than a hundred body parts, including <gasps> brains and hearts, in his Pensacola storage container. What? Yup. Michael Berkland was arrested in 2012 on one count of improper disposal storage of hazardous waste and one count of public nuisance for storing more than a hundred body parts. I wanted to say it again in his storage <laughs> container because I cannot get over it. When he was arrested, it was discovered that he was also driving with a suspended license, so he was charged for that too, which I just (laughs) wanted to throw that in because I thought it was funny. That has a hundred body parts in it, fucking register your car. Like update your driver's license. Don't get a parking ticket. Like just be a little bit more careful. Please renew your driver's license and make sure you never have a tail light out or you're just asking to be caught (sighs) yeah so he got charged for that and then they discovered all the body parts so it was like this little this light thing that could have been a slap on the wrist to whoa you're the worst lungs hearts tissue samples and 10 brains were found on august 22nd in a storage container at a place called uncle bob's storage that berkland had been renting Mm. and there were body parts from more than 100 people it wasn't even just like that there were you know, multiple 
things in there that were from, you know, like one or two people. It was like, no, a hundred different things that he had taken and put in his air conditioned unit. Better be fucking air conditioned. (laughs) Right. Can you? Oh, I just like gagged a little (laughs) thinking about what that would smell like. And it would be drippy and horrible. They were stored in formaldehyde in plastic containers, specimen cups, trash bags, and one part was in a 32-ounce styrofoam cup from a convenience store. Sure. As you do. Some of the containers were cracked and leaking, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Some very small leaks. But still, it's awful. And um, police say they believe that the remains are from autopsies that Birkeland did dating back to 1997 at funeral homes throughout Pensacola, Tallahassee, Fort Walton Beach, and Panama City. He was working all over. And some of the containers still had the patient names on them and autopsy dates, and the others were blank. So they're not exactly sure where they all came from, but they were, after you know the full investigation, able to track everything down and let families know because they felt like... They owed it to family members to tell them, hey, this guy did this after your mom's autopsy, and it's horrific. And I'm sorry. And I'm so sorry. (laughs) So after an autopsy, normal procedure is for doctors to keep a tissue sample for a year in case further tests are needed, but there is no reason to keep an entire organ, and definitely not to keep it in your own personal storage unit. Yeah, not to take it home. Exactly. That's not for your personal collection, sir. Berkland, who is no longer licensed in Florida after being fired from his last job. Why? To the surprise of no one. Uh, but why? I don't understand. He was renting the unit from 2009 until 2012 when the discovery was made. The storage unit was auctioned off for $900 after Berkland was late on payment. And the manager of the storage unit said that Berkland was usually late on payment. That wasn't a crazy thing, but he would always pay it just super late. But this time he was a total month behind. So the guy was finally like, dude, I can't work with you anymore. I'm auctioning it off. And then they found all of the body parts. He worked for the medical examiner's office between 1997 and 2003. He was fired because he could not complete autopsy reports in a timely manner, as well as not paying rent on time. And basically, he just didn't know how to adult. So he thought, well, I guess I'll just take these body parts as trophies, and maybe that will make me feel better. I don't know. What the hell? The families of the body parts finally got their closure when they were all notified. Hearing what this dude was up to, they did end up pairing every single organ with a person. So, you know, they at least had to make sure, like, he didn't just steal this from, like, a corpse on the street, right? Like, right, we're not looking yeah, at a serial like, killer. Because that would be an interesting serial killer cover to be like, exactly. I can do five years for this shitty thing I did, but I don't want to go away for murder. So I'm just going to steal some brains from other bodies. But I'm glad they were able to match everyone. 100%. Up. Right. Yeah. So they did, which that was as gross and weird as this is, that was definitely a sigh of relief from investigators. Like, okay, well, at least these all came from the medical offices Mm -hmm. and maybe you're doing some medical studying of your own in the storage unit. We don't know. But he did go to trial for these thefts because he was claiming that he had ownership of these because they weren't being used by the offices anymore, which is Mm. just absurd. But funny enough, even though they were trying to charge him with five years, he did not get five years. It sounds like he only spent 60 days in jail and then just had to pay some fines and be on probation. So he did get off so, so easy. But he will never work again. And I mean... 
yeah, he has to live the rest of his life like being hired by absolutely nobody. And yeah, because he's the of... guy who kept everyone's brains and body parts. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he can't get licensed again. He can't work again. So yeah. I'm not sure how he's living out the rest of his days. But I feel like even like if you implied at McDonald's and they'd be like, why'd you leave your last job? <laughs> um, I don't want to well, talk about that right now. <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but okay, let's go to something lighter, everybody. Yeah, get out of the bodies. We are going to talk about a vehicle now, a very special vehicle that was found, and the people that found it did not even know what they had. In 1989, a couple in Long Island, New York, paid about $100 for a storage unit without knowing the contents inside. Once they got inside, the couple found not just a 1976 Lotus Esprit. I think I'm saying that right, but I'm terrible with cars. Yeah, I don't know. But it wasn't just a Lotus Esprit, which is already a cool car. It was the 1976 Lotus Esprit used in the 1977 James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me. Whoa! And it had been used as a submarine in the movie and had actually gone underwater. It was one of eight used in the film, but it is the only one that actually touched the water and was in the scenes that were filmed underwater and were piloted by people like in full scuba gear. So it was used in the film, stored in the storage unit, and then just forgotten about for years. And then, you know, got behind on payments and the couple found this. The couple had no idea what they had. They were just like, look at this cool vehicle. This is pretty. They didn't know the value of it, hadn't seen the movie, anything. But when... <laughs> People got word of it and saw it. They were like, you know you have the Bond car, right? <laughs> like yeah. the Bond car that all of us dream about. So they went home, rented the movie, and were like, well, holy shit. <laughs> what do we have? Like they just adorable, clueless couple. Had no clue. So they got it authenticated by the original builders. They put it up for auction in 2013, and it was sold to a secret buyer for $997,000. And the buyer was... Elon Musk. Wow. <laughs> it wasn't revealed until later, but it oh, was Douchey McDoucherson himself. Exactly. Like, of course it was Elon Musk, but how funny to find that out like weeks later. Like, oh, well, it wasn't just anybody who bought the car. Elon said in an interview that as a little kid, he loved James Bond movies, especially The Spy Who Loved Me. His favorite scene was when the Lotus Esprit drove off the pier and turned into a submarine underwater. Obviously, he wished he could drive it in that way, and maybe he can figure it out. I was say, anyone... maybe he will. <laughs> Elon Musk could do it. Yeah, use your use your Tesla talents and make it happen. But he was so excited to get the car. The couple got all the monies, which is very exciting for them, only paying $100 on that storage no unit. No shit. Like, insane. I was really hoping that was going to be the end because I thought that they were going to like sell the car for pennies and then right. find out that it was a Bond car. And I was like, please I don't know. let that happen. That would be so fucking heartbreaking. I would be so sad, especially just because, yeah, they have no idea. Like you have to have a little sympathy <laughs> I don't for even them, know these people, but I was like, I know. please They're God. already my favorite. Um, no, I actually was happy to read that everyone who did contact them was honest right away. They weren't like, hey, uh, uh, you want to sell, sell that it for, for like bucks? a thousand yeah. bucks? Yeah, or 50 bucks. <laughs> yeah, nothing. But thank goodness people said, like, you have one of the most valuable things in the world. And they waited for that secret buyer, Mr. Elon Musk. Wow. And then just 
A couple more fun facts. The car cannot drive on land, but it could actually go underwater. It Damn. has the propellers for it. And the electric motor is watertight. The cabin is not completely watertight. Some water does get in. So that's why during filming, a Navy SEAL pilot had to run the machine. He was wearing full scuba gear, had an oxygen tank. He was being very closely monitored. So they weren't messing around, but still very cool that it was actually underwater when they were making this happen. So it's very fun. The couple made out with money. I mean, I guess congrats to Elon Musk getting his car. Everyone's happy. For getting everything he wants all the time. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Ugh. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you ended on that high note. I had to, you know. After all the real bad stuff. (laughs) Yep. Lots of lots of body parts, lots of blood. My last one, I honestly, I don't know why this one bugs me so much, like as much as it does. Maybe it has to do with the level of research or lack thereof. But mm-hmm. I see so many podcasts um, in the same genre as ours cover this topic. And I always have to use my karma teachings to not reach <laughs> to out and be like, hey, you know, this is not fucking real, right? Uh, because who does that help? <laughs> really? No one. So it doesn't help anyone except you're getting a little bit of anger out, but then you would probably feel horrible an hour later and be like, I'm so sorry. I love you. I'm so sorry. You do you. (laughs) You do you, girl. But I'm actually going to be talking about the stairs in the woods. Okay. So the story goes that there are mysterious. Oh, I'm getting an Amazon delivery right now. Oh, I can hear the the little beeping happen. Okay. So so the story goes that there are mysterious staircases that lead to nowhere in the woods all over the world that are supposedly portals to another dimension or, in some cases, were used in satanic practices and are cursed or, in some cases, are the remains of indigenous burial grounds and are also cursed. Everything's a curse. It's all... (laughs) Everything's cursed. And there... Are a collection of stories, the most famous one being that of a search and rescue employee who claimed that stumbling upon random staircases in the woods was a regular thing he and his team ran into. And that if you ask any search and rescue officers, they will be hesitant to talk to you about it. It's very like hush hush. He said that. In just about every single case they had where they had to venture far into the woods, at some point you'd find a staircase. And he asked about it the first time he saw one, and the other officer just told him not to worry about it, that it was normal, they see them all the time. And everyone this person asked said the same thing, and he wanted to go check them out, but he was told very emphatically that he should never go near any of them. That's super creepy. That's very creepy. I I agree with that. But... That story was written for a forum called No Sleep in 2015. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) The author, (laughs) known only as Reddit user Search and Rescue Woods, has been revealed to be the author and book reviewer Carrie Hammond, who I believe is a woman, which is really cool, but also very hard to tell because in no way are they given a gender on IMDb or Reddit. Um, It's just the only author I can find named Carrie Hammond is a female. So I'm going to refer to them as Carrie or they for this story until they reveal themselves and give us their pronouns. So, okay. So first you need to understand no sleep. No sleep is a Reddit forum for scary personal experiences and horror stories. That's how it's presented. That's like the when you when you click on no sleep, that's going to be the first thing you see. 
However, if you know no sleep or you read their posting guidelines, the stories are fictional. And in their posting guidelines, you'll see things like your post must be a story. This means it has to have a plot, something must happen, and then something else must happen as a result. Mm-hmm. All no sleep posts must contain a meaningful amount of horror and be framed as a scary personal experience. Ah, just has to look like it yes. actually happened. Stories must be plausible and believable. Users are to act as though everything is true on no sleep and treat it as such in the posts and comments as well. No debunking, disbelief, or criticism. Don't ask for proof, etc. So it's really, really fun to read because not only are there yeah. hundreds of thousands of really terrifying first-person stories on this forum, but everyone in the comments pretends it's real, and that's part of the fun. Right. It does make it fun. I used to read them late at night before bed because it was yeah. like a thrill. It's like a little adrenaline. Rush. I would sneak them at work. I would like if Ooh, I if yeah. I was done with my work and I didn't, I would go to no sleep and just like open a tiny little tab and just like read scary stories. It was awesome. Yes, it's so entertaining. Sometimes it leads to building on stories. The people commenting and pretending it's real leads to building on stories. And a good example of this would be Pen Pal. It started as one story. If you haven't read it, please do. It's so fucking scary. Yes. It started as one story called Footsteps about a terrifying experience the author had as a child in which they heard footsteps in their house at night for weeks on end and eventually one night woke up in the woods ended up getting lost, and when he got back home, there was a note on their pillow supposedly written by him saying, I'm running away. It was a note to his mom and dad saying he was running away, but his name was misspelled, so he knew that he didn't write the letter. It was chilling. Everyone in the comments played along, asking questions like, did anything happen after this? And things like, I heard the footsteps when I was a child, too. What could it be? Blah, blah, blah. Which led the author, known as Reddit user A Thousand Vultures, who was eventually revealed to be Dathan Auerbach, to write more and more stories regarding his quote-unquote childhood. So much so that it became a novel called Pen Pal and eventually will be a movie, which is very cool. Yes. That's awesome. And that wouldn't have happened if people in the comments hadn't been like, what happened next? Or do you have any other memories? You know, trying to build on it. I love it. Exactly. And building on these stories. So the same thing happened with Search and Rescue Woods. They ended up writing several follow ups and a lot of them focused on the stairs in the woods because that's what people really loved and latched on to because it was such a creepy element. And it got so big that actually Channel Zero Season 3, which is called Butcher's Block, is based on these stories. The problem is some people stumble onto no sleep and do not know that they are fiction and therefore do not treat them as such. If you Google staircase in the woods phenomena, you'll get pages and pages and pages of, you know, articles. I did uh, air quotes for articles. (laughs) I could hear it in your voice. (laughs) About these strange stories. But of course, no resources to back them up because it is fiction it was just a story a tall tale oh that's yes there are stairs in the woods mostly it's the foundation of homes that have since fallen down or been destroyed just like you sometimes see the remnants of basements or chimneys sometimes they're purposeful stairs uh in the woods to help people climb steep climbs you know Mm -hmm. but they aren't portals to another dimension and the stories told about them all originated in one place and to prove it all you have to do is look at the dates on the articles like i found like 
I just looked at the first page of Google results and it was like February 2021, February, or January 2020, April 2019, December 2017. This original story was posted in 2015 and almost all of what you yeah. can find in the articles you will find in the fictional comment section in the no sleep forum ah makes sense so i'm really Man. sorry if that's a total bummer because i know people want to believe in creepy things but the staircase sure. in the woods is complete fiction it's been uh, debunked y'all you heard it yeah. here first and i see it all the time i see podcasts being like today we're talking about the oh, staircases in the woods and i'm like yeah it's a f okay I know. And it hurts because, yeah, like you said, you want to say something knowing the truth, but you're also like, you don't want to rain on someone's parade either. No, because as yeah. as we always say on the show, it's fun to believe. It's fun to wonder what's out there. Is there a portal in the woods? But unfortunately, no, it's all rumors. Well, we even had staircases in uh, our local woods growing up that everyone called the stairway to hell. And it's just because ooh. things like that, stairs in the middle of the woods, that's creepy. You know what I mean? It is creepy. Yeah. And it's fun to give it like a name and have it become this thing that all yeah. the kids have to go out and check out. Like, if you want to join our gang, you got to go to the <laughs> stairs go at 10 stairs. p.m. <laughs> so, like I said, this is fiction. However, Carrie Hammond, the author, has done interviews. They have said that they base their original stories and a lot of subsequent follow-ups on the missing 411 novels written by David Polides, which are expensive AF, by the way. I don't know why oh, no. they don't release them again after the missing 411 documentaries because I think I they can make say, a killing. after the show. Yes. But Goodness gracious. They've been out of print forever, so if you try to buy them on Amazon or even eBay, the cheapest one you can find is like $75. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you can buy the entire tin book set on eBay, but it's four hundred dollars. So <sighs> I'm poor. I'm I poor. I don't. I, I can't do that. Anyway, these <laughs> books are about mysterious missing person cases that have never been solved. Most famously, his work documenting missing persons in North American national parks. So, if you do want some nonfiction creepy woods action. I suggest heading there or head to no sleep as long as you understand it's, it's fiction. Up. Yeah. Yes. Or we just talked about the woods last week. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was scary. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you guys so much for listening to our show every week. And thank you to all of you who have taken the time to review our show on iTunes. We thank really appreciate it. Thank you. We love it. you. Once again, we will not have an episode next week. I do apologize. But after my trip home, Lauren's sister's visit, and now Joe's mom coming to town, one week had to bite the bullet, and it just so happens to be Friday, July 16th. So Listen, we'll be back the following. Listen, we're tired. Listen. Ashley especially. Let her rest and be. I we will be back the following week. I promise. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at Keep It Weirdcast to stay up to date on what's coming next. If you want to support us financially and ensure that we continue to be a show with no ads, head over to www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast and sign up to donate $1, $5, or $10 to the show. And in return, you'll receive anything from shoutouts on our episodes, two bonus episodes a month, discounts on merchandise, and a newsletter that comes out on the last day of every month full of very creepy, cool stuff. 
You can also head to etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast and get yourself a t-shirt, hoodie, tank top, or most importantly, the softest sweatpants in the world and rep your favorite weirdos wherever you may go. And our sign off. Uh, oh, what is the sign off? Fucking pay uh, the dues on your storage unit if you're keeping a body in there. I don't know. It's really not hard. Renew your license. Renew your license if, if you're, you're storing brains. Keep it weird. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm about to belch. Do it. (sighs) Nope, nothing's coming. Uh, It'll happen as soon as we start, like, the show. I'm sure. (laughs) I'll belch.